whenever Dopex ships something, the market collapses. And I think that it's is true. <laughs> every month we were more ambitious, and every single time we deployed something, the market would keep going lower and lower. As you know, at ReFi, we are big believers in the options and derivatives space. And nobody leads the charge there more than the team at Dopex. In fact, the name is a nod to having a decentralized options protocol. In this episode, I got to speak with Halco and Mario, two people in the core team with Dopex, to explain exactly what is Dopex, how do the SSOVs, the single-sided option vaults, work, and what are they building which will make their protocol stand the test of time. It's a really interesting conversation because these are genuine builders. I don't think there's anybody in the DeFi space who is shipping as often as they are. And although we talk about the Dopex curse, there is a lot of great content in here just to talk about exactly why they're building the things they're building, as well as where we're going from here within DeFi. Enjoy the pod. So today I'm delighted because I've got Halco and Mario from the Dopex team. How are you both? Hello, sir. Good day. We are doing very good. 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 How about and you, let's sir? Get the voices right. So, so Halco, if you want to say hi, that's I mean, that's me. Hi, guys. Hello. How do you do? <laughs> and Mario. Yeah, ready to dox. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Audio doxing, at least. Yeah. So, I'm particularly excited, and our community is excited for this conversation because. We really believe that DOPEX are at the forefront of everything that's going on with regards to decentralized options. Perhaps that's a good place for us to start. What is DOPEX and how did the product come about? Yeah, I think it's a good, good question, good story. So, so in a very short, DOPEX uh, is, this is the decentralized options protocol on Arbitrum. Right? Arbitrum is a rollup of, of, ETH, uh, of Ethereum, so... So, given many limitations of L1 Ethereum, that is very challenging to build any kind of protocol that may require like gas-heavy and quite often calculations. So, for this reason, OPEX went live only once Arbitrum went live. So, so it was uh, late 2021. And the protocol itself is the idea and the concept of our founder. So, our founder is TZ, so TZ Topchat. You may know him from Twitter. He's very famous from his posts, from his tweets. So if you are not following TZ on Twitter, you should, because there is a lot of great alpha there. And a lot of good he, shitposting too. Exactly, yeah. We he, love a good shitposting. Exactly. <laughs> and it was him and Weeferblock. And Weeferblock is our co-founder and pretty much our head developer. So, so TZ has always been... A crypto person, uh, a trader, and a very knowledgeable, like, big-brained person. And uh, given his love for options, he came up with how to build it on chain. So, so you could really think that you know, Dopex is this kind of like you know, labor of of love, which means this is the idea that uh, he and the whole team we want to make it live we want to make sure it's all on chain it's all decentralized you know safe from any kind of centralized powers and in general i would say what we do is we are trying to solve one problem is how to make options and other derivatives close to options 
viable and functional and with a market fit fully on chain so that everything is immutable everything is accessible for like everyone and pretty much we are able to level this ground between many market participants and we push towards this kind of you know the main mission of DeFi, which is giving access to the financial solutions uh, to the masses and of course even this is DeFi and this is crypto are uh, all of the assets for which we are working on like we want to reference the options are these all are crypto assets so so assets like eth uh, like like many other tokens uh, that you may like like tokens from the arbitrum ecosystem etc etc and this is quite interesting because pretty much the idea of crypto options is quite challenging i mean it's not easy it's very hard if it was easy Someone would have probably built it a long time ago. Still, this is one of those ideas that is like open for grabs. And pretty much what we do in a team, we are kind of on this journey, which means TZ, our founder, he is coming with ideas. The rest of the team is coming with the ideas. Community is coming with the ideas. Then we try to kind of see how they fit, whether we can build them or build them. And once we do, how do they work? Uh, on the market it is quite interesting because our process is a process of like constant iteration so so contrary i think it's quite contrary to how many other protocols operate where you just deploy something once and it is here forever for us i would say this is a process of constant iteration which means our contracts are like being redeployed on a like very regular basis because every single epoch, every single like week, month is some kind of a new lesson and some kind of a way where we learn, well, we could improve this, we could improve that. And th- th- this is pretty much how it goes. So, so I think, you know, in, in the overview, we just said what the idea is, right? And what we do, so the options. But we'll be also like very happy to share more in the detail what exactly kind of products we offer as of now and where to find us. So. Yeah, but, let's, but let's, of, no, please continue. So I, I just wanted to say that you know the, I think this is all I guess to to answer your question, but also I think it's pretty interesting uh, with regards to to well, I had to say one of the cool things about this all being on chain and decentralized is a lot of those projects are very rooted and like based within the community, and I think the same is in Dopex. So, so Mario is here with us; he's like responsible for kickstarting our whole community so right now there are like projects built around dopex like you know people working around dopex and you could say you know it's all thanks to mario who just started <laughs> to animate the whole community yeah year ago and then like it was yeah it was like april may last year when it all started amazing so i i recall vividly the launch and the growth of dopex so uh, most mm-hmm. of the audience will know now but i'm a former derivatives trader i traded equity derivatives for a big bank and i in the early days of on-chain options trading i was a user of hedgic if you guys remember hedgic i think the key to understanding dopex and why dopex exists is to start with ssovs so single-sided option vaults and to really understand how an SSOV has uh, creates a benefit for an option buyer or seller of deeper liquidity, price efficiency, and collateralization. So 
perhaps we could start there and talk about what is an SSOV and how does that compare to just buying and selling options on an exchange? Yeah, I think it's, I think maybe as of the intro, how to start here, I think it would be good to maybe just first thing, because I believe that many users that have ever traded options, used options, they most likely did this on some kind of a centralized venue, right? Because it's almost most of this, especially in like traditional finance, it's all done on various exchanges. So usually, right, when you are trading any kind of derivatives exchanges, uh, a lot of those are pretty much running uh, based on the margin, which means whether you are trading some derivatives, you are only posting some percentage of the notion of the position, which is like equal to like mark to market, so value of your profit and loss with some extra buffer, right? But for example, if you are trading a position with a like notional $1 million, you do, not need, you do not need to post $1 million to trade it, but you need to regularly top up your collateral, right, in case of losses, etc., etc. So the whole kind of centralized system works around margining and around the fact that all of the customers are vetted. So there is this kind of credit lines between the users. The trick with DeFi, right, in DeFi, you cannot do things based on credit. You cannot do things under collateralized because it is not possible. So, so one of those kind of interesting things is if you would like to trade options, but on one hand, you've got buyer, buyers of options. As a buyer of option, you are like pretty fine because you buy the option, you pay the premium upfront and you do not have any liability. But if you are selling the option, then potentially your potential liability may be worth up to 100% of the notion you are referencing. And you may think, well, that's pretty unlikely, right, that suddenly it will go up to 100%. It actually happened because for a while we used to have Luna puts for like two months and during the last week of a life of a Luna Indeed, uh, we saw for our Luna option writers to post like 99% of losses because of the collapse of Luna. So, so for those reasons, uh, maybe to just say slightly more simple, if we are thinking about derivatives, we think we mean that two parties agree on some certain obligations in the future, right? In a traditional world, if there are some future obligations, they are usually bounded by some forms of credit and low. In DeFi, we do not have access to both, and the only law that we have is code, right? So with code being the law, we need to think how to make sure that the users would be able to fulfill their obligations in the future. Because if you think about this, right, what stops users from saying, well, I will not need to fulfill my obligations, see ya, right? And you want to be able to then track them down. No. So our idea is what we have noticed is that in DeFi, there always has been this kind of a culture of what people used to call yield farming. So usually you would just 
have some pile of tokens that you would stake somewhere to have more tokens. It kind of started, mostly it started with Sushi, where, where users started to get incentives. So if you would, for example, post your capital on Sushi to provide liquidity, uh, in addition to your trading fees, right, you would get some extra tokens, etc., etc., etc. So we thought that this is quite interesting, right, because of this uh, LPing on the Uniswap versus version 2, or like Sushi, is not the most capital efficient, but it provides a very good depth across all the prices, and it makes sure that always provides the market. So similarly, the idea was for single staking option vaults to operate in a very similar way. So how does it look like? If we can have two sides of the market, we can have users buying options and we can have users selling options. If you buy an option, go to our app, so up and you go to SSOVs, and once you see our single staking options vault, you find the asset that interests you, whether that's ETH, whether that's PX, GMX, IVAX, Geom, etc. And then you may purchase either call or put options. Um, we have the on-chain pricing smart contract, which pretty much uses various data sources uh, to calculate the premium, and it will quote the premium for you. And if you think that this premium is fair, you are able to purchase the option, you will pay the premium, and this premium will go to the liquidity providers. And once the options settle, so once there is the option expiration, we have weekly and monthly, so it's either every fourth Friday of the month for monthlies, or every Friday of the month for weeklies, if your options expired in the money, if your PL was positive, you can interact with the vault and you can collect your profits. But there is a thing, right? If you are buying the options, if you're collecting profits, you need to have some kind of a counterparty, right? You need to have an options seller. And that's a trick, right? How to originate liquidity, how to find sellers, how to find liquidity. So our idea was as follows, that people like single staking. You, know, you just want to just take your tokens, you stake them in some contract, and you are happy to collect more tokens uh, in the future. People just liked it. You know, it was kind of a part of the whole DeFi culture. So we thought, what if we merge this? So the ability to stake tokens uh, in a contract, right? So if with ETH, you could, it could be like Lido, uh, hopefully once it's on Arbitrum, with, for example, with GMX, we can stake it on the GMX website. With um, it is subject to rebasing, and then the same users that would stake uh, their uh, tokens in the contract, they can choose to write options. They can choose out of four strikes, and they can take the risk if they are comfortable with the risk levels, and if they fully understand what kind of a risk they are taking and they might choose to write options. And by writing options, they would be the liquidity provider, so they would automatically take the other side of any transaction that Mayo does. They would be collecting premiums, and at the end of the epoch, depending on the final spot price, they would they would keep their premium regardless, But and if the options expire out of the money, they keep all of the collateral, and if the options expire in the money, 
a portion of a collateral would be slashed. So that option buyers receive that portion, which is equal to PNL. So in general, the idea was let's take this culture of staking, of putting your tokens in the vault to get more tokens, have equity providers agree to taking additional risk, which we want to be very transparent. So we want for liquidity providers to say, I want to choose this strike or this strike and this strike so that they know where the risk is, they know how much risk they are taking, and if they are up for this, they can lock in the tokens in the contract and they can start selling options, they can start making the market for the options. And it is quite interesting, right? Because on the one hand, some people may say, well, this is not the most capital efficient, but DeFi wasn't really about capital efficiency, it was about like making sure it always works. And it's about access. It's, yeah, exactly. So, so, so this way, it always works. And even in the biggest stress scenarios, like all the collapses, like, you know, Luna collapse, 3AC contagion, etc., etc., where many centralized traditional venues had trouble with covering the exposures, had trouble with, like, delivering the obligations on their trades, for us, it was day like every day, even though the pricing, the spot prices moved dramatically. The settlements on options for many assets were very significant. Everything got fulfilled and all the obligations got fulfilled. Why? Because everything was fully collateralized. Why? Because because this was the concept from day number one. So so even though we as we mentioned before, we had even some asset referencing Luna. Even if Luna went to zero, all the parties managed to settle in full. So, so this is kind of a thing with DeFi, right? That it operates on different principles and centralized market, and we are working around different problems. But when you think about such a like stress test and the shocks, uh, we see that ev- but all of this works even in the most dire scenarios, which means most likely if you would really like to bet against some like dire scenarios. You are much better off using on-chain protocols compared to, to off-chain protocols because you have much more transparency and you are not sitting on this kind of, you know, legal slash credit income of like, oh, well, you know, I took some bet, I made some transaction, but my counterparty is insolvent and now I have to sue them. There is no such thing in DeFi, right? Because you can always verify the contract the smart contract, you can always verify how many assets are in the smart contract. You can always verify everything. It's fully transparent, and this way it kind of shows you that it doesn't matter what happens, everything in DeFi works. So yeah, so I think that's pretty much, you know, the, the summary. Well, that's plus a... Already some kind of walkthrough on the recent events, but I think it's, it's very important. It's very interesting to see, right? I was also, you know, was, I also used to work in, in, in finance in some kind of more exotic assets and I saw some very funny shenanigans on the market and some smaller price movements, right, would sometimes halt the markets and start many calls between the various desk and traders. And here we have DeFi, here we have some asset evaporating to zero and all the derivatives based on, on, on this asset, they just work and then I, and I think this is huge. So so that's 
but yeah, that's it's huge and say. it's been battle tested, right? So, like you said, yeah. code mm. is law. Everything is verifiable, and we've had a a recent stress test. And even I'm a user of Deribit, for example. Even me, I found myself amidst all the three AC contagion. I found myself actually just withdrawing funds from there until the storm passed because nobody knew their exposure, yeah. Deribit's exposure to Three Arrow Capital. And in, in summary, I think they ended up owing them small in, in the grand scheme of things, but still owing them tens of millions of dollars. So yeah. coming back to DOPEX SSOV, so I'm a liquidity provider, ReFi, and I'm happy to earn some premium because I think ETH is going to be trading in a range-bound environment. So I would deposit my ETH and the vault itself would create the option contract. So if I'm selling call options, the vault and the smart contract itself for predetermined strikes and predetermined expiries actually creates an option which otherwise didn't exist. Along comes some buyers that might want to buy those options and they would deposit their premium again based in ETH. A question for you, does that have to be fully matched? So can I buy an option where there's not currently a seller or are you always waiting for sellers to come in first? Yeah, so right now we always wait for a seller to come up first, which is still actually, you know, a painful point because how to say this, if things go well, then you have sellers that are very happy to LP and usually you find buyers also very fast. But once the things slow down, you still need to keep like drumming up, working on originating liquidity. But for example, sometimes not all of the liquidity would be utilized, right? So for example, maybe you have posted some if, but maybe only half of your liquidity would be utilized. If only half of your liquidity is utilized, it is as if 50% of your tokens were just a tokens behaving like spot. So it's like you have staked them in some contract to farm and they had no underlying derivative written and only the other half behaves as if it was a collateral to the option. So, so pretty much as long as there is no other side, you as a seller, if you are locking the tokens in the contract, they would just behave like like normal tokens, but they're just locking the contract. Only once you find a buyer, only once a buyer comes, a portion of your tokens are allocated against the buyer. So, so this is it. And I think it's, it's quite also interesting for us to observe how it works during the current market, because like you know, January, February, March, April, we would always have like very significant liquidity. Uh, I think our all-time high was almost 150 million, and almost all of that would usually find buyers. So, so it was very good. Now, as we have a bear market, as always, things uh, got slightly more rocky. But on the other hand, we already have some protocols that are building on top of the OPEX. So, for example, we can give shout-outs to Jones there. Uh, so the guys are pretty much a protocol with a quant team and they run option strats on top of the OPEX. So I think it's quite interesting because compared to like many DOVs, like like many DOVs, they just sell out of the money options and they just have some quant to set up the uh, OTM strike. With Charles, it's pretty interesting because they usually run more complex strategies. So depending on the kind of like outlook for the given month, 
Sometimes we would be more on the side of buying the options. Sometimes we would be more on the side of selling the options. So, so sometimes, uh, you know, providing liquidity, maybe they'll buy for, from you. Sometimes maybe if you are buying options, maybe they are selling it from you. But I think it's pretty interesting because historically, uh, from the beginning of, of the year, they have been earning like 10 or like 11% annualized on, in the, on the like ETH strategy. What's pretty interesting is that despite this meltdown, especially like April, May, they have been printing. So, so I think it's also pretty cool, right? That you can, you have Dopex, which is like the base layer, and then you can build protocols on top of that, and the guys can build uh, a protocol on top uh, and run profitable strategies. So, so that's quite interesting. That's quite interesting here. <laughs> It, it is interesting, and we, and we like Jonestown. We had them on the podcast a couple of months ago, so we like how they interact with all of that. So that's the SSOVs. They've been around for a long time. I see you've got about 6 million TVL in the Ethereum Arbitrum mm-hmm. vault at the moment. One thing that's particularly interesting is if there's not a strike or an expiry that I'd like to trade, and often I'd like to trade, I don't know, let's say mm-hmm. 2750 March 2023 mm-hmm. call, so something out of the money and longer dated. You've recently launched an OTC market. Could you talk about that and what the view is there and, and why that came about? Yes, yeah, so with the OTC market, I think it's interesting. The timing was slightly unfortunate because uh, Mario will be here to, to confirm this rumor, but there is a rumor that whenever Dopex ships something, the market collapses. And I think that it's is true. <laughs> so it has been proven again and again. <laughs> yeah. So so we had the initial sale of tokens, and it was all time low of 2021 for ETH. Uh, whenever we ship any kind of a vault, the market goes red. It was pretty funny because we said we've got a very ambitious roadmap for 2022, and with every month we were more ambitious, and every single time we deployed something, the market would keep going lower and lower, and pretty much we have shipped a lot in April, and the whole market died, so <laughs> so I think that the Dopex curse is real, <laughs> but, you know, we, the, we the just... The Dopex curse. Yeah. There is a like joke, you know, that most likely the best trade that you can do is like observe if our header dev, so with a block, is deploying something. And if you see that he's deploying, you just short ETH, just short the whole market. So Dopex deploying something new, short the market. That's not a financial advice, but it has been true. <laughs> it has been true for the past year. We find it like hilariously funny, but people love to mention it, but like, you know, whenever... We do, it happens. So it, it it was the same with the OTC market. So so we noticed that we are offering European options. So the so the settlement. So we are pretty much offering the primary market for European options. But if you would like to sell your options before they expire, you cannot sell them back to the LPs. You need to find a buyer. And the thing with the buyer is uh, lack of trust on the market, right? Because you need to find some guy. You both guys need to settle. You need to some kind of somehow trade, talk about the price uh, and settle. And this is very hard, right? You need escrow. You need ways to negotiate. So, so we deployed the OTC platform, which was our idea for users to be able to communicate with each other and and be able to basically 
submit some request for like quotes or like request for trades, be able to negotiate, and then be able to settle everything through escrow. So, so there is escrow contract. So if we have two guys agreeing on something, one guy sends tokens, the other sends pre-agreed uh, USDC or USDT, and everything settles. So, so the OTC platform was our idea to allow users to kickstart the secondary uh, and uh, we would also like to down the road open for some more room for customization. Unfortunately, the downside is that then the market crashed and a lot of volume has evaporated. So, so unfortunately, the secondary market by now is not so lively. Uh, so we are back to looking how to animate and like originate a lot of liquidity on the primary. And sadly, you know, if losing 75% of value is not the greatest thing when you are talking about TVL, because even though like with raw numbers with regards to amount of ETH staked, for example, in our vaults, it's high as it always used to be. But in dollars, you know, it used to be, for example, like, you know, 25, 30 million. And right now it's like six or seven because suddenly ETH is worth four times less. So, so yeah, I mean, that's good, but this is a very sticky TVL. Uh, shame that you know the number in dollars uh, is slightly lower, but also our way of thinking is you know if we can weather those harsh market conditions, and we believe we will, then you know then, then it's going to be all good. But but, but also yeah, and I, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about that. I think TVL is down across the board across yeah. all the big DeFi protocols, and in dollar terms, when ETH loses eighty percent of its value, it's naturally going to be in the bottom percentile. But it will have some kind of mean reversion properties. So my confusion there. So the OTC market is more mm-hmm. for to provide secondary market on existing option positions that you might have, and finding a buyer or a seller, and then over time looking to build that out to be even more customizable. Yes, yes. Our way down the road is we would also like to allow for like more customization. So for example, if you would exactly would have some more bespoke strikes and expiries, then we hope that it will be also possible down the road. So so this is something that we would like to see in the future. And currently, I can build option strategies because you've got ETH weekly calls and weekly puts. Mm-hmm. So I could just using the combination of the two vaults trade option straddle if I wanted to. Is that correct? And do you see anybody yes. doing stuff like that? You can, and uh, you will be able to do this even easier. So it's a, a, a cool thing, but we can kind of like like share. So how to say this? If we like go back to our initial point uh, about capital efficiency. So capital efficiency in DeFi is not the greatest, but still we are thinking how can we solve for many problems of the capital efficiency. And we have, uh, that's how the idea of Atlantics uh, came up to be. So, so the options that got the name of Atlantic options, it's pretty much the idea as follows. If we are on chain and if we would whitelist some other contracts, we may allow to move collateral across protocols if this is all fine. So for example, our idea was what if you, for example, use any kind of, of for example, CDB protocol, like Vesta, uh, like, like Meme, or maybe what if you use some per protocols like, like, let's say, GMX, 
and in all those protocols you are leveraged and you have some liquidation price so right now in DeFi, if you leverage in one protocol and you have like liquidation price let's say one thousand dollars and if you buy put options at let's say eleven hundred dollars even though your option would be like if we go down to nine hundred dollars you know your option is in green but your leverage position is liquidated which is kind of sucks right because you have bought a put to protect against the downside but you still got liquidated so our idea is hey well we can actually merge this so we can have our options integrated so they are kind of a proof that you have the coverage you and you shouldn't be liquidated so that was one of the ideas of our options uh under the kind of umbrella of atlantics and the other pretty cool thing is that well if you are looking to run some spread strategies right now right if you are running some spread strategies right now for example if you'd like to sell lower strike by higher strike or sell higher strike by lower then the one you need to post a full collateral for the option you would like to sell and then you pay a full premium for the option you would like to buy with but very capital inefficient yeah but with atlantics it's pretty much what's pretty cool is once again given the collateral would be movable if you would like to run some kind of a spread strategy you can pretty much do exactly this so for example you can buy the option like let's say you can buy the option that is closer to the money so, so the higher delta and then you can borrow the collateral that is behind this option you have bought and you can use the portion of this collateral to write the option on the strike that is more out of the money so this way you do not need to post any collateral you are just borrowing a collateral and using it to write another option that is deeper out of the money and this is something that we would also be looking to enable because right when you think about this you still have full coverage and like full settlement protection while doing this across all the parties and this would allow for like many kind of spread strategies to be much more collateral efficient so so suddenly compared to for example the repeat right you can here also open some kind of spread and you just pay upfront premium uh, or you just pay upfront premium and you just cover the difference in collateral between the two strikes in case you know you are just buying out of the money strike and selling the strike that is closer to the money and then these are like one of the few things we are working on so so we hope it will also be you know possible down the road uh and we would like to see it also live later this year interesting and so for these option legs whether it's call options put options or some combination there where does the pricing come from is there an auction process are you using an oracle how does the actual price get set for the options so for the liquid assets that have a like liquid secondary we are using oracles so we are using oracles for the city parameters which means and we have been like checking we are like checking this on a regular basis if you compare our option pricing to the centralized exchanges option pricing it is very in line sometimes there is some small difference which is usually due to various width of spreads and charges but in general for example if you see some centralized venues for example quoting you in volatility let's say on the ask side at like 
then most likely, you know, the dopex quotes would be also at like 90, 91%. So, so we are using volatility parameters from oracles. And in general, we are pulling as much oracle data, so spot and volatility from oracles. And then uh, all of this, all of this data is being fed to the smart contract. And the smart contract calculates the premium for you. So, so this way, this way, as long as oracles are fine, you do not need any kind of human on the other side, right? It's pretty much the this permissionless automated market making system here. That's really encouraging because I think one thing, as somebody who's come from a market where I'm used to the spreads and the pricing of options being very competitive mm-hmm. across let's say a range of t- 10 to 12 banks one thing that as DeFi, you guys are really spearheading is transparency but also competitiveness with regards to fees prices premiums etc and it's good to see that you guys are at the forefront of that so that leads me to my next question halka we've talked a lot about dopex and the platform we've talked about ssovs atlantic options we've spoken a little bit about the otc market haven't touched upon the interest rate vaults, but I'll pause on that. But given you guys are at the forefront of the DeFi industry, what are your thoughts on DeFi where we're at today? And what needs to happen to really usher in the next the next kind of phase of growth for DeFi? Good question. Oh, I, well, that's a good question. Marja, sir, do, do, do you have any thoughts on this one? <laughs> yeah, that's straight into, the, straight into the, the tough ones are for Mario. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, you know, we just have to keep on building, right? That's kind of, I guess, the main thing that, you know, prices go up and down, you know, people come and go, but the people who stay and the people who keep on building, they will figure this shit out. And, uh, you know, if you talk to, if you talk to TZ or if you talk to, other people that are building stuff, you know, like Frax or Dow Jones people, the other projects in our own ecosystem, they're all motivated to, you know, to keep on figuring this out and how to make it composable with other things and, you know, just staying true to the, to the DeFi spirit, if you will. And I mean, I don't, I honestly don't know myself what the answer to this question is, but I have faith, you know, from what I've seen by, you know, talking to all these people that we will definitely get there at some point. You know, if it's going to be in the next two, three, four, five years, I don't know. But this, you know, genie won't be able to be put back into the bottle. You know, it's out. It's just a matter of time until we figure this shit out. That's how I see it. Indeed. And somewhat related to that, obviously we're having a conversation here because we are potentially a liquidity provider. We have been in the past, but also an options buyer. To what extent do you guys have an awareness of who's using your protocol and have a understanding of who are the big kind of users of DOPEX? Or do you guys just kind of set up the protocol and step away and don't really engage too much with the users themselves? Yeah, it's, a, it's also a good question. You know, we, we are pretty anon ourselves. So it's, you know, there's, it's not like in Web2 where, you know, <laughs> You have all these data points and analytics points about who is your user and where they're from. And, you know, it's kind of, I mean, sure, you can you could kind of look at their wallet and kind of guess, you know, this is a whale or is this just, you know, somebody trying stuff out. But then again, somebody could have, you know, 10 other wallets, you know, hiding or doing something else. And then you still have no idea who this person is. I mean, in general, we have a pretty vocal community and we, you know, listen to these guys and they come up with a bunch of ideas 
And, you know, that's, as we mentioned earlier, we, you know, we're monthly or weekly kind of redeploying these smart contracts to kind of reiterate on new stuff that we learn. And most of this stuff comes from, you know, feedback that we get from our community. So we, you know, we have people in the community that tell us kind of, hey, you know, this would be a good idea. And, you know, then we just kind of iterate from there and build our product that way. Excellent. That's, I think, because as a fellow builder, the kind of mindset you've really got to be in is to step away, build a robust protocol and and something that kind of serves a wide audience of people, whether it's institutional investors down to retail investors putting in, you know, half an ETH or something yeah, like that. Uh, last, I mean, uh, sorry, just maybe to add to that, you know, we have some big whales like Tetra, for example, right, who kind of interacts with our protocol. So we do have some people in, you know, in, in different types of areas of need, I guess, <laughs> that kind of interact with this protocol. So we, you know, there is some range of people. So, you know, it's not like we, we get input from all these different type of people there. So we, it's pretty... we can give you anecdotal reference, but it's like pure anecdotal because in general, we kind of more or less want. So, you know, pretty much our kind of idea, like I think idea of DeFi is to make it a level playing field so that's accessible for everyone. Yeah, exactly. So... On one hand, we know that there are like big players available. So, so indeed, you may, for example, see Tetra helping, <laughs> right? You, you may see some other large protocols with treasuries helping. Uh, so, for example, because you see Jones, because that's a line of business. I think I'm not sure in the current epoch, but for example, Umami uh, has been a very active user in the past uh, on Arbitrum. You for sure will see some market makers as well use our protocols one way or another. Because, well, com for example, compared to DOVs, right? Because like DOVs like Rebound, for example, etc., they sell everything to market makers. For us, the idea is to make it level, which means we will not, of course, ban the market makers and we will not, of course, incentivize them. So we you know, we will not give them any kind of treatment one way or another, but pretty much if someone is a market maker and they need some liquidity and they think, okay, Dopex is also a good source uh, of options, then why they wouldn't use it, right? So so that's why we see professionals, we see some market makers, we see some funds using our options, but we also see like very small players. And I think it's pretty cool, like one guy, has once said that he always wanted to trade options and he used to trade options from time to time, but sometimes he was kind of forced to take too much of the exposure he was comfortable with, right? Because, for example, in traditional finance, you can only reference, let's say, 100 stocks or like 1,000 stocks with one option, right? Your, your size has some minimum size for the transaction to go through. And he was like, well... That's, you know, it's slightly too heavy for me, but it is what it is. And with Dopex, there is no minimum transaction size. So he said that, you know, sometimes he really wants to hedge one ETH or half ETH or maybe five ETH. And he was very happy that there is like no minimum size because even uh, as, you know, pretty much regular user, he can uh, hedge, he can buy options, he can run different strategies. And his entry is like not blocked by anything. So I think it's pretty cool to see it kind of uh, like a barbell, right? You could be $100 million whale, you could be $10,000 or like $1,000 small player, and you both get the same pricing, the same treatment, and the same Indeed. access. 
indeed. I, I really like that, especially as somebody who's come from a world where CBOE won't talk to you, the Chicago Board of Options Exchange <laughs> won't yes. talk to you unless you're trading tens of millions with them. So definitely yeah. agree with the ethos of, of providing access. To wrap up then, one final question, and I'd love for both of you to answer this. Obviously, the markets have been in a bit of turmoil. Bitcoin's at 20K, ETH is just over 1,100 as we speak. You guys are obviously medium to long-term incentivized to be in crypto. Do you have a end-of-year price target? And how do you think the price action plays out over the coming weeks and months? Harko, your price target, please. Let us know. Ooh, no, like, <laughs> I, I, I never have price oh, targets. For, for what? For, do you mean for Bitcoin or what price target? Let, do you let's here? stick with ETH since you guys ETH? are on Arbitrum okay. and we're all ETH maxis. So. I, I think ETH is going to be at $10,000 at the end of 2023. I never have price targets. Not financial advice, though. <laughs> I never have price targets. I never date. So, you know, but the, usually I think like my famous, my most kind of one of my most fond memories, I think it was like 2008, it was like January, and all the economists, I think it was the Financial Times, all the economists were saying, hey, by the end of the year, we will see all time high rates, all time high yields on the bonds. By September, they were at zero. All of them were wrong. So, so this is it. So that's why I think it's it's always very hard to give some kind of price predictions because a lot of things may happen by the end of the year. But I personally think that there are going to be some great moments to buy the options and to sell the options, depending on what your outlook is. So one trade is for sure the merger. So Depending on your outlook, maybe everyone will be selling the news on the merge. Maybe after the merge, we'll, you know, pump to infinity. Maybe it's a good idea to just buy some puts and calls at the same time. And this way, you just don't care which way the market moves because it, if it moves and if you are right, you are still winning big time. So so I think that's thing number one. And I think thing number two is you know, pretty much checking with Fed and checking with burgers and with Americans how much money do they want to print this year. You know that we have a huge American audience. Oh, well, I'm... <laughs> I know, but it's always, you know, man, like I used to do a lot of emerging market stuff and it's been always, you know, it was always like this, you know, we've got some central bank of some local country that is like doing stuff for a year. And suddenly you've got Fed meeting and one Fed meeting has more power over their own currency than the whole country has. So I think it's quite similar with crypto. We are still, you know, like the emerging market. So we are still at this stage, right, where whatever Fed does, you know, they just move everything. So, so you know, I think it's once again worth watching, worth, worth seeing what's going to happen because we live in a like very interesting times. So once again, maybe having some kind of outrageous price targets is not a bad idea because I think that market may be thinking, okay, we, we expect this or that, but if life proves the market wrong and you were also slightly contrarian here, maybe you have found a very good trade. So, so yeah, I think it's, I think that's a bad way of thinking, you know, it's very hard to give price targets. But for sure, it's worth kind of trying making some, I think, trade with options around a few events. So, so yeah, that's it. 
I think so too. So we're saying the same thing. Maybe let's focus less on price and more on volatility and things are certainly going to be volatile over the coming uh, period of time. Alco and Mario, thank you so much for taking the time today to deep dive into DOPEX. I am excited because we have a Discord channel specifically for ReFi and DOPEX to discuss anything from product developments through to our requirements as a liquidity provider. So I'm looking forward to taking this partnership further. I thank you so much for your time. And hopefully we can do this when your next product launches, just in time for another market puke as well. You know it. It will be. (laughs) The DOPEX curse. I think that's going to be the title of the podcast. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you too, sir. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. This podcast is hosted by Huff, the lead farmer at Reimagine Finance. Reimagine Finance is a farming as service provider available on the Ethereum and Binance smart chain. Nothing in this podcast can be considered financial advice, and any money invested is purely at your own risk. Nothing in this podcast should be considered an invitation to invest, and listeners should seek independent advice. You can follow us on Twitter, Telegram, and Discord.